Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. We thank you for tuning in today. We are on part two of a series we began last week titled Kingdom Marriages, Families, and Finances. We're going to cover a lot of uh, ground over the next several weeks on these topics, very, I think, uh, appropriate and and uh, things that I think will help all of us, no matter where we are in our marriages or uh, family situation or finances. These are all practical lessons from God's Word. And today we're going to look at opposition to kingdom marriages. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. The Apostle Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore... Or because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I believe a healthy and vibrant marriage begins with focus. I think we all must ask ourselves, is our marriage focused on God and His purpose, or is our marriage focused more on self and on the stuff uh, that we uh, attain and and uh, what we want out of the relationship? If you're unable to comprehend and, and correct your focus by making a spiritual connection to what's going on in your marriage, you'll more than likely continue to rant and rave and fuss and feud about whatever the current issue happens to be. You'll focus on what happened or what is happening rather than dealing with the root issue that happens to be affecting your marriage. Now, the text that I just read to you from Ephesians chapter 6, I believe, is no accident that the Holy Spirit leads the Apostle Paul to write about spiritual warfare coming right on the heels of addressing marriage and family issues. Chapter 5 of Ephesians closes with the topic of marriage, and chapter 6 opens with child-rearing and parenting. It is then that Paul introduces us to the tricks or the wiles of the devil and the spiritual battle that we are in. That's why he says in verse 10 again, finally, my brethren, that means this is directed toward believers, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, but in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on tells us that is a choice. You have a choice now that you're a believer. Put on the whole armor of God or or uh, the partial armor. Some put on none of the armor. If you do that, you're going to be just an open target for uh, Satan and uh, his devices. Now, you know, when people fight in their marriages, and we all struggle, there are no perfect marriages because there are no perfect people. But when we fuss and feud and get out of sorts in our marriages, the devil wants to convince us that it is our spouse who is the problem. Uh, You know, so we'll tell ourselves, well, if my husband would just change, things would be better. Or if my wife would change some behaviors, uh, the marriage would be better. 
Now, granted, a lot of things we end up fighting about do have to do with uh, consequences of the choices we make and sometimes even how we were raised. But even those things themselves often originate in the spirit realm as Satan and his demons are working against us. Now, to some people, they would say, well, that just sounds far out. What are you talking about the spirit realm? Well, the spiritual realm is uh, not only as real, but more real than the physical realm. Uh, That's why he says there in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh, Beloved, your husband is not your enemy. That's not who you're wrestling against. Your, Your wife is not your enemy. It's a spiritual enemy against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. These are all levels of spiritual uh, enemies and spiritual warfare. Now, verse 13 says something interesting before we get into our, our outline today. He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. So that tells us it's available for the taking. So we must take it. Again, that's a choice that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So you have withstand and you have stand. Those are not the same thing. To stand is to be in a position of support and to withstand is to resist against. So what the Bible is telling us is that we should be in a position of standing so we're supported strong. So when the resistance comes, we're able to withstand it. We're able to deal with it. Think of it like this. If you have ever been out on the Gulf Coast and seen houses built on uh, the shore, the, 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 uh, the shore of the ocean, they are not built like they are uh, here in the Midwest. They build them on piers. They're built up high. Why do they do that? Well, because they know sooner or later there will be a tropical storm, possibly even a hurricane. And if they are not built correctly, they'll be given into the winds and the waves that would otherwise destroy the house. So they build them up on piers, but they don't build them on piers uh, during the hurricane. They do that in the sunny days. They do that whenever the weather is nice. Because that way it's standing, it's ready for the hurricane to come. You see, the time to strengthen your marriage is not when things are going bad, but when things are going well. When things are going good, that's when you need to make sure that your marriage is on firm ground spiritually, because I guarantee you sooner or later the storms are going to blow. It could be a financial storm. It could be a health storm. It could be a family storm, whether it's with uh, a child's rebellion or uh, even taking care of a loved one. A lot of stress and strain is involved with that. So today what I want us to do is I want to look at Satan's role and his opposition to kingdom marriages. The first thing I want to deal with is Satan's strength. We don't talk about the strength of Satan very often. We, we of course, think about God's strength, and we should, but there are often two extremes that people believe or go to when it comes to Satan's strength. First of all, some people underestimate Satan. Now, they either say, well, he's not real, or he's more like a cartoon character with a uh, set of horns and a pitchfork and a long tail, or he's not interested really in my marriage, and, uh, you know, that's just that's just kind of silly Christian talk when you talk about Satan. Well, if that is your outlook on Satan, I'm going to tell you something. He has you right where he wants you, <laughs> because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 that he's an enemy. He's an adversary. Listen to this. Be sober, be vigilant. That means be on guard, but be watchful, because your adversary the devil, 
as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is on the prowl, and he's looking to devour you and I. Now, here's the good thing. If you're saved, he cannot devour your salvation. That's secure in Christ. So the next best thing he wants to devour, he wants to devour anything he can in your personal life. That would include your marriage. That would include your joy. That would include your influence, your family, even your spiritual legacy. You know, if the devil can get in and and cause division in a marriage, it doesn't affect just those two people. Oftentimes, children are involved, and then that perpetuates into grandchildren and even future generations. Now, we'll not defeat Satan with human strategies. It doesn't work. You say, well, I'll just have willpower against Satan, or I'll, I'll go to counseling, and that will help. No, he is too strong. In fact, uh, you know, we have an example of how strong just one of these spirit beings can be in Acts chapter 19. Listen to this, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had uh, evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Now, here's what's going on. These people called themselves exorcists, all right? They would deal with the occult. And they saw Paul calling out uh, demons uh, by the name of Jesus. And so they want to get in on the action. And verse 14 says, there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. So these guys are going to do this, uh, really hoping to make some money off of it. And the evil spirit said, answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? That's kind of interesting. So the evil spirit knows Jesus and knows Paul, but he doesn't know who these guys are. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them, these Jews that decided they would somehow use the name of Jesus, and overcame them and prevailed against them, and they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Boy, I bet they wish they never would have dealt with that. So what I'm telling you is even the strength of one of Satan's demons had the strength here to take seven men and overcome them and prevail against them. You might think of it like this. Spiritual warfare requires spiritual weaponry. Spiritual warfare requires spiritual weaponry. Second Corinthians chapter 10 uh, verses three and four detail this. The Bible says, for though we walk or live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for our weapons, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not something you, you put in your pocket or carry around with you physically, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, our weapons are spiritual weapons. Those are all named there in Ephesians chapter six. Uh, you have different ones like the, the armor of God would include the, the uh, loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, uh, the shield of faith, and uh, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. All of these things are spiritual weapons because we cannot uh, contend against Satan and his army with physical weapons. It must be done with spiritual weaponry. And then not only do some people underestimate Satan, but then I'm afraid some people overestimate Satan. And so when we overestimate Satan, we sort of resign ourselves to constant defeat. And so people will, let's say, in the area of marriage, well, my marriage is never going to improve. It's never going to get any better. I'm always going to be miserable. 
we're always going to fight. We're always going to struggle financially. We'll always be in debt. And it's just day after day of nothing but misery because it's giving in to Satan. Well, I, I just can't defeat him. The devil has me. He has my spouse. He has my kids, my finances. And I just don't know what to do. Well, when you do that, then you're giving Satan and his minions too much credit. You have something, if you are saved, that uh, is better than whatever Satan could throw at you, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. I like what John writes in 1 John 4 and verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, present tense, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's in you? Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, the question is, is Christ in you? If not, well, you have no defense. You have no chance in the battle. You need to get saved. You need to be born again. That means you repent of your sin and you accept Christ as your only way to heaven. When you do that, now you have the the Holy Spirit inside of you that is greater than anything that the devil could throw uh, at you. So don't underestimate Satan, and yet do not overestimate him either. Now, let's look at the next thing here. Let's look at Satan's strategy. You know, Satan loves to work secretly behind the scenes in our lives and in our relationships. He is perfectly happy to convince you that he doesn't exist and that the real problem is your spouse. If you could straighten out your spouse, then your problems would all be solved. That's what he wants you to believe. Now, I believe that Satan uses three methods in his strategy to oppose and destroy marriages. And I think he utilizes all three of these as they seem to build one upon another. And when these build upon one another, the marriage will finally collapse under the pressure and uh, oftentimes will end in divorce. Now, what are these three categories? Well, uh, the first category would be the category of communicating. There was an old cowboy western movie back in the 1960s called Cool Hand Luke. Maybe you've seen that movie before. And there was an old character in that movie who said, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Well, that failure to communicate uh, occurs in marriages. You know, it's sort of interesting. You think back to when uh, you and your spouse first began dating. Maybe that was years and years ago. And boy, you could just talk for hours. And, uh, you know, uh, back whenever uh, you talked on the telephone, you know, no texting or anything used to be long distance. You know, we, we lived out of town. So if I was to call my girlfriend, my dad let me know real quick, son, don't make it a long conversation. You need to hang up. And so, you know, you talk for a while and then you'll say, you hang up first. And and uh, the other person says, no, you hang up first. And then uh, we'll hang up together. And then, you know, she might say, well, he's just so easy to talk to. And, and he might say the same thing. She just gets me. She just understands me. And all of this is wonderful. And then you get married. And then sometimes couples one year into marriage, they have no communication. All of that grinds to a halt. He begins to have his own interests and she has her interest. And then the communication and eventually the relationship begins to grow apart. Now, uh, for us to keep that from happening, uh, we need to understand some do's and don'ts of communication. Now, I could give you a bunch of these. I just settled on three don'ts and three do's. Uh, these are practical. They might help you if you want to put them to memory or even write them down. Number one, here's some don'ts. Don't use conversation to manipulate your spouse. Sometimes people will get into an argument and they make demands. Now, if you don't do this, I'm leaving or I'm going to divorce you if you don't do that. You may get your way, 
but it's going to create resentment and eventually it's going to fall apart. Don't use communication to manipulate your spouse. Number two, don't use communication to punish your spouse. Sometimes we'll say the most awful things to people we love that we would never say to strangers or people that we maybe are just acquainted with. But boy, to someone that we we know intimately, sometimes the meanest things will come out. Don't use conversation to punish your spouse. That's, that borders on verbal abuse and sometimes goes into verbal abuse. Maybe it's name calling or belittling uh, someone in, in, in some kind of way or, you know, even correcting in public. I don't think it, it makes people uncomfortable when you correct your spouse in public. I've, I've seen people do that before, you know, tell a story and and the spouse corrects them throughout the story. You know, that's that's really something to say for home because it, it's a way of belittling uh, your spouse. And so don't use communication for that. Here's a third one. Don't use conversation or communication to bring up past failures. Listen, we all fail. If you've been married longer than five years, maybe one year, uh, but you've been married, certainly the longer you're married, there are going to be failures uh, throughout. And uh, if you don't let that go, every time you get into an argument, it's almost like you're you're ripping a scab off of a sore again and throwing that up. And what it shows is that you haven't forgiven. Uh, you know, sometimes whenever a husband or wife fails the other, uh, and if you stay together, and you, hopefully you can do that, Offer forgiveness, and then don't throw that back up to them. That's really a way of of communicating in an evil way. Now, here's what the Bible says. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt communication is not just, you know what, you might think of as swear words, but things that run people down. I think that includes a gamut of things, gossip, tailbearing, belittling. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. The word edifying means encouraging or building up. If it doesn't encourage, don't say it. Uh, you'll save yourself a lot of grief and heartache in that area. Well, let's look at some communication do's. Do compliment your spouse frequently and publicly. Uh, they like to hear it. You know, sometimes men will say, well, I don't tell my wife that I love her because she already knows it. Well, she still wants to hear it and she likes to hear it publicly. You know, uh, we men like to be bragged on once in a while. You know, if your husband does something, sometimes you may have to look real hard, you know, but whatever you have to do, uh, my wife will compliment. I'm, I'm not a Mr. Fix it. I'll just tell you, I'm not handy very much. I've learned to hire things done. But I like to work out in the yard. And so, when you know, after I've mowed and trimmed and stuff, my wife will often say, boy, the yard looks really good. Now, you think that's no big deal. Well, it is to me. I like to, you know, look over. Yeah, it does look good. Uh, and, and it just makes me feel better. And I tried to do that with her when she cooks a meal. After the meal, say, honey, thank you. That was really good. I appreciate it. Uh, those kind of things go a long way. So do that frequently and publicly. Number two, do balance the conversation. Don't make it all about you. Uh, at the end of the day, don't tell all about you, but ask questions. How was your day? How are you feeling? Uh, those sorts of things. And then uh, here's one I think that all of us struggle with, especially today, is do give your undivided attention. Boy, it's hard to have a good conversation when the TV's on or you're looking at your phone and your spouse is talking and here you're surfing the internet or texting someone else. And it's easy to become distracted and not really in the conversation. Uh, there are times we need to shut the TV off, put the phone down, and give that undivided attention. It, it means a lot. Well, the next strategy when you move from communicating is uh, the Satan uses the strategy of comparing. 
So once the communication breaks down in a relationship, what happens many times is you'll begin to compare your spouse and even your marriage to someone else. And that all starts in the mind. You know, you begin to look at others and think they have the perfect relationship. And I told you there are no perfect relationships. But you think, boy, look at how he treats his wife or how she treats her husband. And look how well they get along. And boy, why can't we be like that? Why can't my wife be more like uh, her? Or why can't my husband be like him? And what happens is that comparison goes from the mind to then verbalizing it. And when you verbalize it, it does not create improvement. It creates resentment. You know, it's sort of like saying, uh, you know, maybe you have a friend and her husband is good at fixing something. I just said I wasn't very good uh, at fixing stuff. But let's say that you know someone whose husband is. It will not make your husband, who is not very handy, want to improve when you say, why can't you fix such and such like he does? Uh, it's a, It goes against our nature. We're not automatically going to start reading books and watching YouTube to try and get better. It's going to create resentment. You know, or when you say, uh, honey, uh, my mom makes spaghetti a lot better than you do. Uh, that will not go a long way. You might end up with spaghetti uh, on top of your head if you say something like that at home. That comparison does not cause improvement. It causes resentment. Uh, here's another scripture, 1 Corinthians 15 and, uh, and verse 33 says, um, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communications, those things that compare and belittle, again, they don't create good manners. They corrupt good manners and they do not, do not make improvements. So you have the communicating strategy, the comparing strategy, and then it moves to the coveting strategy. Now, that word covet, that's a Bible word we don't use a lot, but to covet means a strong desire to have what someone else has. Sometimes that is tangible, like money. You know, I wish I had the money that so-and-so has, or I wish I had the vehicle they have, or I wish I had the home that they live in, or so on. That's that's a coveting something, a strong desire, that that's all that you dwell on and you become dissatisfied with what you have. Sometimes that's intangible, like a relationship. And so you begin to covet someone else's relationship and yours is not good and someone else's is. And so all you're thinking about is, is that my relationship is bad and theirs is good. And it's a way of coveting. Well, listen to what Hebrews chapter 13 says and verses four and five. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conversation, your, your way of living, your lifestyle be without covetousness. There it is. And be content with such things as you have. That means be content with the car, with the finances, and be content with your husband and your wife. Don't compare and then move from comparing to coveting. You see, when communicating isn't working and comparing isn't working, working the next step is coveting, and it's a way of trying to fill the void in your own relationship. People try to fill voids in many ways. Sometimes they will do that by uh, by trying to fill the void with more stuff. And so they'll put the family in financial straits because they're not being content with the relationship. And so I'll buy more stuff and maybe the stuff will make me happy. Sometimes it's it's a substance. It could be food. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. But the root of the problem is filling a void there in the relationship. And sometimes people will even compromise a marital relationship by confiding in another person. Uh, you know, this is the danger of social media today. 
uh, being able to go online and maybe contact a coworker or maybe someone you went to school with years ago. And so here, my husband's not giving me the attention I would like, or my wife's not. So I'll go online uh, to find someone who will communicate. And before long, it ends up in an extramarital affair. These areas, I believe, are the three areas that Satan attacks, and that's his strategy, communicating, comparing, and coveting. Now, I'll close with this little illustration. Uh, I have three boys, and all three of those boys are now bigger than I am, and uh, once in a while, they want to try and and uh, maybe wrestle with me, you know, or, or just the horse play around. And, and uh, you know, I could not physically get on the ground and wrestle with them. They'd wear me out. I'd be out of breath. But uh, they know this. I don't fight fair. You know, Dad Dad knows some tricks. And so uh, I know how to use some pressure points. And sometimes I'll use a pressure point, and they'll get a kick out of that. Dad, how do you do that? And uh, I couldn't wrestle with him, but I know some points that kind of get him. And the reason I'm using that illustration is to tell you this. Satan knows your pressure points. He knows the points in your life and in your marriage where to stick it to you. He knows if it's in the area of finances or temptation, or if you're struggling, sometimes you can be struggling in one area and Satan will come around and blindside you in another area. What's he doing? He's hitting a pressure point. You see, Satan knows those pressure points, and that means we must constantly be on guard and stay close to God because any area exposed, he's going to try and get you. That's why Paul says again there in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God uh, to defeat the tricks or the wiles of the devil. And we're not, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. So if we stay aware of that, I believe God will help us in that area, not in our own strength, but through the help of the Holy Spirit of God, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, thank you so much for listening. I pray this message was a help to you. And we always thank those who listen and support the broadcast with your prayers and also those who give financially. So many of you sacrifice to help us stay on the air. And uh, I'd be afraid to name just any one person, but you all know who you are. We we receive uh, gifts on a regular basis to help us pay the radio station. And I want you to know how much we appreciate that. We could not go on the air were it not for your support. Don't forget, all of these go on the Bible Truth podcast. So you can listen at any time from your favorite podcast store, whether that's Apple iTunes or whomever. Look for the Bible Truth podcast with Tim Reynolds. And you can listen while you're mowing the yard, cleaning the kitchen, going for a walk, whatever. And you can check out these messages. We put them on uh, along with with, uh, the radio program. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to be with us again next Sunday. Until then. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.